0: today on CityCast Denver. We saw our first real snowfall in the city last week, but that doesn't mean camping season is over. In fact, for some, it has only
1: just begun. When I got back from Alaska, so many people were just amazed that I was warm, I was comfortable, and I'd love to share that with other people so that they know this isn't as big of a deal as you think it is. This is as big as more clothing and gloves.
0: Like our favorite camping expert, Patricia Cameron, who recently spent a few weeks in Alaska learning how to camp on a glacier. She's back home and she's ready to share her best tips on how to brave the cold and enjoy camping in Colorado no matter the season. Today is Monday, November 7th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies and this is CityCast Denver. Patricia Cameron, welcome back to CityCast Denver.
1: Hi, how are you doing? Good to be back. So,
0: I wanted to talk to you because the weather's finally getting colder, and I think for a lot of people, this means the end to camping season. And that is not the case for you. You are a winter camper. Why? Tell me why.
1: Why do I winter camp? Um, (laughs) Why not, though? It's just, you know, the difference in winter camping is just the gear you take. And I know, you know, uh, cold weather can be intimidating to some folks, uh, but there's so much to be gained from camping in the winter and, uh, you know, testing your own merit. And then also the different wildlife that comes out in the winter. There aren't Bears, hopefully, they're sleeping, so people don't have to worry about that. Um, and it's just a lot more quiet, so you can spread some of that use that people have over the summer. And, like, if you can spread it over the entire year, maybe the, the, the summer the summer season won't be such a rush to get
0: to spaces. Oh, I didn't think of it that way. Like, because we – I mean, we, we've talked about this, but we've seen such an increase in people utilizing our outdoor camp, you know, places to camp. And maybe this is a great way to – Sort of beat the crowds a little bit. I think so. I think if you can
1: really enjoy winter, you won't feel that mad dash in summer. And I'm that way. (laughs) Like if I can experience camping all four seasons. And that's not to take away from summer, of course. We love summer. But another thing to imagine is fires are more likely to be able to to have at your campsite um, in the winter.
0: The fire danger is a lot um, less than in the summer. So maybe you can take advantage of and enjoy some of those things about camping that have become increasingly we have to be more cautious with for sure.
1: Right. Between the crowds and the fires, that's less of an issue in winter. And so that's one of the reasons I like it. And also, I just like the sound of winter. It's it's, it's a different kind of silence. Uh, it's interesting.
0: You mentioned too, like merit, like, is that something that, that you think about when you're camping? Like the fortitude, these things that you want to accomplish maybe personally? Right. So I don't
1: believe that people need to have trauma-based resilience. I do think that, you know, building resilience and 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 stepping outside of your comfort zone, not too far, not into your fear zone, but outside of your comfort zone, it's a good thing for your mental health. It's a good thing for your outdoor skills and, and building those outdoor skills. And so for me, going out in the winter where it's a little bit more difficult, is it, a good way for me to kind of expand upon my outdoor skills and gain that confidence that the outdoors give so many people. And that's part of the reason why they go out, you know?
0: Sure, sure. So where would be some of your favorite spots to winter camp in Colorado?
1: I wrote about this for the Denver Post years back. Um, I did a winter camping guide. I talk about places that have established campgrounds. That's one of my favorite things to tell people to do, especially if they're new to going to outwinter camping. Plenty of established campgrounds remain open um, during the winter season. It's like 11 Mile State Park, which is one of my favorite places. And the first place I camped, it was during the winter. So an easy way to slide in there is go to a state campsite or an established campsite that remains open during the winter because you'll still have uh, some services. You may not have bathrooms that some of them do, um, but you'll have the resources of that area that's established. And if you're on a state park, you'll have the rangers. So um, it, it takes down the, um, the the fear maybe a little bit and the, the risk versus consequences
0: come down a little bit when you have more help there. OK, I love that idea. Um, you know, and I'm thinking about a recent story about Camp Hale. Um, this move to make it a historic site. And for folks that aren't familiar, it's this military training base near Leadville where soldiers basically learn to like not only survive in freezing temps, but fight. And I I think about, I mean, camping's got to be an essential part of that. What do you think about the legacy of Camp Hale?
1: Camp Hale is really interesting. And, 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 you know, it's near Leadville. And uh, anybody who spends any time in Leadville has probably seen something related to it before it became a monument and we're pretty stoked that that's the case. I was in Alaska when, because I've always known about Camp Hale, kind of like peripherally. But when I was in Alaska, one of my um, campmates, she is really into the history of Camp Hale. And so she told us about it um, before it became a monument. So she explained how some of those soldiers trained to scale like the Dolomites, I think it was, because they were fighting Italy. Um, and so they did it at night. So they were mountain climbing and rock climbing at night to do like a surprise attack or kind of sneak up on them. So like if you're going to train in a place to do that, Leadville's a great place. And so the legacy of those soldiers, um, I'm glad it's a monument. And I'm glad Leadville gets kind of like some of that love.
0: So um, you mentioned this trip to Alaska and you camped on a glacier in Alaska, right? Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Just camping on a glacier. Patricia, tell me about what it's like to camp on a glacier. It's nothing like what Colorado has,
1: I'll tell you that much. Alaska has, if I recall correctly, our instructor said they're the last glaciers that are still growing. Um, And so Alaska, and you know, the mountains over there are a little bit younger. Like as you go west, they get younger. Um, But they're huge. And Alaska's huge itself. Uh, The glaciers in Alaska, Alaska take up huge swaths of land. But also alaska itself a lot of it is not developed and that's so amazing um just how big it is and uh, when i went there i went for a old course on mountaineering because i wanted to get more winter camping skills and mountaineering skills so we had to fly into anchorage which is great i had never flown that long before um and still be in america like i was totally yeah, i was like this is still the united states and so i flew to Anchorage and then we went to Palmer where the Knowles, um school is in Alaska. Then we had to drive another mile, or, sorry, hour to an air flight area, like an airport, what do they call it, landing pad, uh, ran by Mike Meakin, who's like a rail-renowned bush plane driver. And uh, then we had to fly a bush plane like three at a time, 45 minutes into, over the Chugach Mountains and into the glacier. And so the, it's pretty far in there. Like you can't hike in there. The only way out would have been to get Mike to come back to get us.
0: So you're like, really, I mean, it's, it's really remote. You're in yeah. like this remote area of Alaska. So tell me about like the physical aspect of like, I mean, camping on a glacier to me is like a picture of a tent on top of ice. Like what, what is it really like? I mean, you're close, <laughs> but there's a lot of snow <laughs> on top of the ice as well.
1: Um, and gosh, it's, It was amazing. It was life-changing. It was probably one of the top experiences of my life. Like I used to say the Colorado Trail was second to me giving birth to my son, and I think Alaska might have like (laughs) slid in there just because of how amazing it was. Uh, But you know, living on a glacier for two weeks, we didn't have any outside contact. Um, The only outside contact we could have had was through the sat phone when they called Mike to see what the weather was looking like um, in terms of him coming in and out. There wasn't a lot of green because of the glacier, of course. A lot of rocks, uh, the moraines, like the medium moraines and the lateral moraines. And uh, occasionally we saw a bird, but those birds were probably lost. I'm not sure if they made it out. And we saw one or two insects, but it was just devoid of like like life, quote unquote. Even though the glacier is very much alive and moving, and you could constantly like you hear some creaking sometimes from the glacier. You'd hear, uh, you'd look up and see an avalanche on either side of you we call it avalanche tv like you just be sitting there and you hear a rumble and an avalanche (laughs) would like fall down on either side of you um it was remarkable did that scare you they can't reach you so it's fine it was just cool to watch
0: okay yeah
1: (laughs) they 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 pick places on the glacier based upon like where it is like if it's a compression zone meaning the ice is probably not going to break apart there we're far enough away from either sides that any avalanche from the mountains on either side of us wouldn't reach us so it was just cool to watch (laughs)
0: You're really not selling me on this. It sounds like torture. I, okay, well, I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish I was selling you because it's amazing. Like
1: it was so much fun. It's just I'm just talking about the differences in life, you know. And it, yeah. it makes a lot to me because I think we spend so much of our life on autopilot, especially since like I can just walk to my bathroom and get hot or cold water. I can go to my kitchen and start, you know, a, a, a meal, get something boiling. I can run outside and check anything. I can check the weather on my phone, like X, Y, Z. Um, getting to my bed is as simple as getting into my bed. What I liked about it is it really gives you an idea of, you know, how much more we're capable of and, and what our mm. lives look like, you know, inside of houses, which are fine, too. Like, I'm not one of those people who just say we should all live in the woods. That's not always the case. But it does give you an appreciation for the fact that I everything I did required multiple steps. And most of those steps, my life kind of depended on it, I would say. And that's a, a jump in faith. That I don't think we do a lot anymore.
0: best part is Pine Melon offers same-day delivery to Denver and soon Boulder within a two-hour window, no subscription necessary. Save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door. Join the movement and support local today. Use promo code CityCastDenver for $75 off your first delivery at pinemelon.com. That's pinemelon.com. So, Part of the work that you do is also you take folks out and and teach camping and outdoor basics. Is cold weather camping going to be part of your curriculum? Yeah, it will be
1: for sure. We're opening a new Black Packers camp or school next year. We're finally doing that. And um, we're going to do teach, we're going to teach a woofer and woofer, wilderness first aid, response and wilderness first aid. Um, I'll become a provider of those at Black Packers. We're going to teach backpacking skills, camping skills, leave no trace, of course. And then also some skills about being in the outdoor industry. Um, like I always say, it's one of the top three economic drivers in Colorado. So getting people involved in that's great. And over the winter, I do plan to show people like what winter camping looks like. Um, when I got back from Alaska, so many people were just amazed at I was warm. I was comfortable. And I'd love to share that with other people so that they know this isn't as big of a deal as you think it is. This is as big as more clothing and gloves and paying a bit more attention, right? Of course, but it's, it's not a glacier. We're not going to be on a glacier in Colorado.
0: <laughs> so what would be... I don't know, maybe three tips you have for folks that maybe are experienced with camping but have not done winter camping yet. Yeah, I always tell people you don't need to buy a four-season tent.
1: Um, a three-season tent with the right layers and the right sleeping bag will be just fine. If you're going to be going out there in inclement weather, don't, especially if you're brand new. And in, in those cases, you would need a four-season tent. But I would recommend people starting out to go out there when it's snowing, that's fine. Probably out a blizzard or high wind. But a three-season tent will be fine. And that's what people take typically out um, in summer. Doing jumping jacks before you get into your sleeping bag because you want to get in your sleeping bag warm. Uh, sleeping bags do the best at keeping things warm as opposed to generating heat. So do some oh. do some jumping bags uh, while you're in there. You kick your legs a little bit. I would squeeze my my rear end cheeks and unsqueeze them just to get some heat from like the muscle movement. Um, I sleep with a, a hood on. Sleeping with gloves won't harm you. Sleeping with shoes or uh, socks are great. Um, I've told people you can double sleeping bags, but you need to have one that's incredibly big to put the second one in because when you compress sleeping bags, it actually takes away its uh, warmth and its warming power. Um, there's a thousand things like making uh, yourself some hot tea at night, putting in a thermos, putting that in your tent, waking up, you'll have some hot tea to get you going. Uh, The kind of things like that. It's it's not as hard as you think. It's just, it takes a lot more preparation and you have to think a few steps ahead when you're winter camping, as opposed to when you're summer camping and say you forget anything. You could forget your sleeping bag and survive summer camping most times, right? Like
0: that's not going to happen in winter. So don't let that be the case. (laughs) I love this point of not only are you like quote, getting back to the basics or like, you know, like. The basic things that are provided for us as housed people. It's just a good reminder that, like, we can sustain if we have to outside of those experiences. But it's also about trusting people mm-hmm. and enjoying the moment. I, I love, I, and we always talk about like disconnecting or whatever. And I wonder, like, how does that feel? And I, I would be terrified, like, oh, I can't Google.
1: Yeah, the first couple of days I was like, "Yo, I wonder what's going on <laughs> on Twitter." But like, you you get over it because you're also busy and you have to give everything yeah. your full attention. Like, I if when I'm making knots, I have to make well-dressed knots. Those knots are what's going to hold me if I fall into something. Um, but you know, for what it's worth, I don't think. I'm not in the camp that I think social media has, has done too much for us, except for it's just created a new part of our brain. Like our brains are very malleable. They're very elastic. We, we, we're we built for this kind of stuff. I do think that having those kind of breaks where you're reminded of life outside of it, um, because it seems like we like to think that social media has made the world smaller by giving us so much access to it. And I, I think that that is not the case. I think it's made it so big that that can cause a lot of anxiety. And then when you go to Alaska and you're in this small perimeter with people, and you're in this area that looks as big as you can ever have ever seen it's actually much smaller there and that's a different version of like connecting um that you know social media does its way but this is a different way so i i as you know me i'm on both well patricia cameron thank you so much anytime Bree. it's always good to talk to
0: you looking forward to next month and here's what else Denverites are talking about. A 100-car pileup. You heard me, a 100-car pileup on 6th Avenue in Kalamath stopped traffic across the city center Friday as the first snow fell on the mile high. According to Denverite, injuries were minor and no fatalities were reported as of this recording. While no official cause of the crash has been determined, the Department of Transportation and Infrastructure said the road had not been treated with deicer prior to snowfall. And finally election day is tomorrow. If you haven't filled out your ballot, now's the time. Or you can visit one of the dozens of polling places across the city and vote in person tomorrow, November 8th. I'll drop a link in the show notes if you're still looking for a ballot box or your polling place. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell everyone at REI about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. so fascinating i have a, i feel like i have a new perspective on winter camping other than just being the person that doesn't like to. you go to keep the telling outside. me this and you're not you're still not going outdoors every time we talk you're like this is i know me. and i don't see any pictures of you always. i know and then i walk out the door and i'm like i wouldn't want to live out here <laughs> you'll, get there. you'll get there i know my poor husband he's like please go camping with me i'm like i'd rather not <laughs>